All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your host. I'm Daniel Dabana. And I'm David Uyoa. How's it going? <laughs> that, that, that was a little weird. We, we said we yeah. were going to switch off and do... Uh, yeah, that's right. And then I was just like... Things. Oh, I and um, I, I kind of ended my, um, my introduction right there. I'm yeah, sorry. you know, it happens. It happens. It's all right. I was telling I was telling Dave right before we got started, I I caught a quick unexpected nap just a few minutes ago. So uh, it took me a second to even realize what was going on. So, uh, you know, here we are now, but we're ready to go. And this week we decided to watch the movie We Need to Do Something. This is a movie that uh, I had not even heard of really before we got going. Like uh, I just happened to stumble across the trailer. Uh, I, I don't know if it was on YouTube or Hulu or what, but I just stumbled across the trailer and sent it to you. And I was immediately on board. You sent this and I was like, we have to do this on show. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, I mean, the trailer's fantastic and, and it's, um, it's so timely. It's, it's so topical. Um, my my understanding is that this comes from a novella that was written before the pandemic, but this obviously drew a lot of inspiration from uh, from COVID and and the pandemic and and the whole you know shutdown being closed in with your family and and it played to something that I I think is really important right now. Yeah, and um, Max Booth III, the guy who wrote the screenplay for this, is also the author of the novella, so he adapted his own book into a movie. Um, I have not read it. Like I said, I'd never even heard of it before we saw this trailer. Do you think you will read it moving forward? Uh, I'm I'm interested to read it because, uh, as we're going to get into, there are, some, there are some avenues in this film that I'm interested to see if they were explored differently or uh, even more deeply in it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in a novella, you know, that's what that's a weekend read if you're doing stuff, yeah. a night read if you got nothing going on. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm interested to maybe check it out. Excellent. You're doing, you're doing, I'm doing even, you're doing odd, even, odd, even, odd. Oh, was I odd? Yeah, you're odd. I said I would do even. Oh, right. my bad. <laughs> Shit. I'm, I'm all off. I, I had I had such a crazy day today. And um, uh, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me just take another sip. <laughs> and, now, and now we're good again. Hey, all right. So, um, so um, uh, like you said, this uh, this came out of nowhere, right? Um and I think you can find it only on Hulu right now. I'm not sure if you can find it elsewhere, but the fact that it is on Hulu makes this something that's really accessible, which is important, I think, right now. Uh, so it's something that can anyone uh, that anyone can sit down and they can watch. And um, so 
that said, it is something that you and I were able to watch very easily. Right. right? Um, what did you think of this movie as a whole? And was there anything in particular that worked that really worked for you or anything in particular that really didn't? So this movie, I really had no idea what to expect to it coming in. When you watch the trailer, um, you didn't, you, you know, you got this idea that it was a family that was trapped together. Um, when you go to watch the movie, you find out that, that they're actually trapped in a bathroom together the entire mm -hmm. time. And there is very little to no explanation as to what's actually going on outside the bathroom. Uh, so they, uh, you know, kind of quick synopsis, family rushes into the bathroom. They they hear storm sirens. There's a tornado coming or, or something. They go into a bathroom. They see a bright flash of light, loud noise, and realize that a tree has fallen outside the bathroom door, and they're now trapped in there together. So it's a family of four, mother, daughter, um, father, son, and they are in, a, I mean, honestly, a decent-sized bathroom. It's bigger than either, either of the ones in my house. It is and massive. <laughs> and um, I... They do give you a view of the house from the outside and something just doesn't yeah. add up with that bathroom, which I don't know if that was intentional, you know, and, and it's kind of like, okay, well this house kind of exists in some sort of limbo state, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause that bathroom just doesn't match. It doesn't match the architectural style of the house from, from which the is, outside. Which is a beautiful um, prime-century design. Yeah, Brady Bunch architecture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was it was really really it was nice. Very much a Mike Brady designed house. And uh, and that that bathroom just I mean it doesn't yeah. it doesn't match. But it, even the the size of it like it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Kind of like in The Shining. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so they're trapped in this bathroom and then, you know, hijinks for lack of a better word ensue. Um, I, it was, it was very interesting to realize that this entire movie takes place inside the bathroom short of, I don't know if the movie's an hour and a half long. And if you add together all the flashback scenes, there's maybe 10 minutes there. I mean, this movie, that's pretty generous. Yeah, yeah. This movie exclusively takes place in this bathroom. Um, but when it was all said and done, it was it was an interesting ride. It was it, it there there was there was a lot of fun to be had in this movie. There there was uh there were some scares. Um there there was a lot of unexplained things. Um I, I it's it was interesting kind of going through and reading people's reviews today and seeing it, while it's not really divisive, it tends to just kind of ride a middle line or people don't like it. Um it's it, it was interesting because while I didn't think the movie was a masterpiece, I did think that it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it did kind of have me gripped up. Uh, and part of that is because during that 2020 lockdown, when we couldn't leave the house, um, I was I was going insane. And I had an entire house. And I mean, I was crawling walls. My yard has never looked as good as it did as those like <laughs> those like six weeks when I had no work to go to. And like you didn't go to the grocery store and stuff like that. It was just. And so like that, that idea of just four people being but the trapped Amazon in boxes kept coming. Yeah, they it? did. <laughs> um, and it wasn't even for what's funny is I, I see the word claustrophobic kicked around a lot. And for me, it wasn't even that because to me, the, the size of the space isn't necessarily uh, um, a factor in, in how creepy or, or awful it can be. It's just the fact that 
it's the only setting. Like my my brain doesn't have a mode where I can just be in one setting like that and be okay. And so that constant atmosphere um, left me always kind of wondering where they were uh, where they were going to go with it. They did a good job of a couple of times. I thought I'd see where it was going to go, and it would it would kind of swerve me a little bit. I mean, it was pretty cut and dry in the parts that made sense. Uh, we're pretty cut and dry. The parts that didn't make any sense that we're going to get to, um, those weren't. And they came very much out of left field. And some of them I liked, some of them I didn't. But overall, I, it was I, I thought it was a fun ride. I did enjoy the movie. Um, I wish I had. <laughs> and uh this this is the the second week in a row where yeah we're 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 you know kind of on on different wavelengths which doesn't happen often um and we're in fact uh on the same side as as we were with Candyman last week yeah uh where where you mostly <laughs> enjoyed Candyman and i mostly didn't um i i do think last week when we reviewed the new Candyman, it there was more good than bad um i definitely think there's more bad than good here um uh, when when you were talking about those reviews where they either kind of rode that line of you know hey this is pretty cool you know but it's not the greatest thing ever or they were just you know kind of derided the movie and i'm kind of sitting on that camp i think that there's a lot of potential here uh that went untapped there's uh, I, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that this this movie has an identity crisis. Uh, yeah, it doesn't exactly know what it wants to be. Uh, is it a movie about a family that is riding out being trapped during um, an awful event, or is this some sort of supernatural witchcraft? You know demonic end of the world sort of thing and uh, the only explanation that there can be is that this is some sort of witchcraft thing right because if it isn't the movie makes no sense correct but even if it's a movie about witchcraft and these two girls brought about the end of the world right um there is so much that is left unexplained. I, I've, I've talked about this before. I think that a certain amount of mystery is a good thing. Uh, you don't need to put everything on exposition, right? You, you can hint at things. You can uh, kind of just say, hey, you know, research this if you want, right? But there has to be at least like ground rules. There has to be... Uh, a field for which you to play this game. And I feel like they're, they're playing a game with rules that haven't been written yet. They're playing Calvin ball. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's just to me, it, they played fast and loose with what exactly was going on. And um, they play it, what was interesting was most i can't well i guess i can say most no not even most two of the actors were very good yes uh and uh one through no fault of his own i think was okay uh which was um the the younger brother yes 
the the love interest was okay uh she was you know neither here nor there for yeah. me, didn't really do much in that department and then one was absolutely awful <laughs> uh to the point where i was getting vibes of uh the only bad actor in the night of the living dead the 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 racist father yeah right? um and and that's exactly what it felt like for me so uh, even if you're looking at this as uh like character study where it's like this is what happens when people are locked into uh you know a, a confined space together i don't think it really worked because every time that the father said anything i was immediately sucked out of the movie <laughs> okay. um and and i think that there's ways of playing um drunk there's ways of playing a person uh you know dealing with withdrawal that are um valid and and have like a a sense of uh, a verite to it and this didn't have that to me it was just overacting to the extreme where you have the subtlety of uh vanessa shaw um who it took me until like 20 minutes into the movie that she was uh the girl i had always fantasized about from hocus pocus yes um she yeah. absolutely was <laughs> yeah and i was like oh wow now i can fantasize about you as an adult that's yeah. fantastic um and um and, and the uh and and the daughter um sierra name, mccormick uh sierra mccormick who, who i think did did a spectacular job and uh i i saw her in american horror stories over uh, over the summer i think it was and she did a fantastic job there too again with material that wasn't exactly stellar so um i think all in all this uh, this is a mixed bag where the bag is mostly unexplored material and and that leads to me very often feeling like should i check my instagram <laughs> Fair enough. And and but, and to, to me, that's that's the litmus test to whether yeah. or not uh, a, a movie or a TV show is any good. If I'm constantly going on my phone and and wanting to see uh, you know cute pictures of dogs, then there's a problem. With too much black licorice in the in the in the jelly bean mix for you in this one. There, there you uh, go. I, you know, and it's fair enough because you're absolutely right. This is a movie that it never establishes an identity. This is a movie mm -hmm. that doesn't really know what type of horror it wants to be. It experiments, you know, when it first started, I'm watching this movie and I was like, oh man, we haven't done like a solid atmospheric horror movie. That was the thought I had go like mm -hmm. 10 minutes into it. I was like, this is a movie where the, the scariness is just the situation that you're in. This is great. We haven't done anything like this. But then it quickly, kind of starts jumping ship and you've got you know this a, a story of, of witches uh kind mm -hmm. of of demons maybe um you know you're you're looking at you're maybe it's a monster movie you know you start mm -hmm. to get a couple of cloverfield vibes or you're always wondering i, I did get a cloverfield yeah vibe you, you start on. to you start to wonder so you know you're monsters witches demons you know like i said atmosphere it never really figured out exactly what it wanted to be it felt like it was pulling uh inspiration from from things that were as different as the craft and, you know, Gaio, Gaio movies, which we've talked about in here, because there, there are some scenes where it's like, okay, I can think of a couple stellar horror movies that that scene would fit into. 
But you're right. It was all kind of piecemealed together. So for a movie that never really established its identity, um, you know, how does that sit with you? That You know, they kind of just jumped around so much and never really knew exactly what they were after. Uh, early on, it, it was very apparent that they were going for the atmospheric thing. And as a fan of old horror movies, I was on board for that. Uh, because uh, I am a longtime fan of Universal monster movies, of Hammer horror movies, of you know uh, that that sort of nineteen uh, fifties and sixties school of horror, where it's it's all about atmosphere, very little in in the way of jump scares and gore, and it's just the situation that's scary. Um, I think one of the greatest horror movies of all time is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and uh, and as much as I love the the remake from from the seventies, uh, which definitely you know goes into that body horror realm, uh, that original with very little in the way of traditional scares manages to be so damn scary because of its atmosphere, right? They start building towards that, except that. Um, they turn that on its head right? with the introduction of the witchcraft, which at first you're not really certain if this is for real, right? Is Sierra McCormick's character, uh, uh, Melissa, is she, is she just assuming that right. she's bringing this on, right? And this is all in her head in the same way that many of the other characters are dealing with th their own lives while they're trapped in there. Um, but as soon as that question is answered and there is no more mystery, the movie becomes considerably less interesting because now we are aware that this is a supernatural occurrence that that is going on here right um and and so therefore atmosphere has nothing to do with it anymore right there there's there's nothing that atmosphere could possibly scare when you are being stalked by some sort of supernatural creature yeah right? no it's you're right man it's and, they, and, they, and they so did a lot. For, for me the first real scare doesn't occur until 35 minutes in uh and i was expecting something because uh one of the things this movie did do well was it did build tension well um but i i think it just didn't know when to pay off yeah so when, when you finally do get the payoff it's great and the the scene where um, they're asking, you know, who's a good boy, who's a good boy to the dog outside, right? I was expecting something to happen. Right. I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, but when the dog <laughs> responds and says, Ozzy Osbourne, by boy. the way. Uh, oh, was that Ozzy? That was okay. Ozzy Osbourne. Like, I was, when I was watching the credits, I was like, it, it, was, it said, good boy. Ozzy Osbourne. I was like, good boy. I was like, oh my God, the demon dog thing was Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. That line, okay. I'm I, a good I knew boy. he was yeah. in the movie. He was credited as being in the movie, but I didn't I didn't know where. Yeah. And I thought it was just that, you know, errant reference to, you know, the the bat biting incident. <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, they have to credit him for that. That's that's odd. Uh, so that's that's really cool. Uh, and that scene was spectacular. 
Yeah. It was so, so good. And, and, and the payoff was really there. And I thought, oh, okay, this is the turning point in the movie. This is when we start getting that supernatural horror. And, and, and they're really going to start to scare us here with what they're going to put this family through. But they didn't commit to it. What they continued to do was more of the psychological, we're trapped in this room together. And that is no longer like I'm not afraid of my dad. I'm not afraid of my mom. When there's a monster outside <laughs> whose tongue I can literally rip out of its mouth, it'll wiggle around in the sink for a while. Yes. And it'll continue to stalk us. Like you're no longer scary. There's nothing you can do that will scare me more than that monster. So it, it, to me, that sort of non-committal attitude to its style absolutely destroyed any potential that this movie had. Uh, it, it had so much of it early on. And uh, had they kept some of that mystery around until later and let that payoff come at the end, I, I think that um, this would be a very different conversation. Yeah, the the now so the 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 type of the, the horror type switching the 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 non-establishment of identity that didn't really bother me um, in the way that it did you because it was one of those things where it kept me from getting comfortable uh, when I was watching it and and when I thought about it afterwards I kind of sat into this space of feeling like when they decided to do this. What they wanted me to do was never be comfortable. They after we saw the the tongue ripped out of you know what we're just affectionately referring to as the demon dog mm -hmm. outside. You know, I, you you start. You're right. You get into that headspace of like, okay, now now it's a monster movie, right? So now I'm ready for scares. But and then they go back to the. But also, you're you know people can be terrifying and awful, and so it it kept me uncomfy uh which is you know which is an an interesting feeling to have especially when you're right you get into this headspace of now i'm going to be scared but then what they would do is they return you to that space of not knowing and, and that's what i was saying was a couple of times in this movie i felt like it was going to go right it went left every time i felt like they had established something they kind, you know, they would veer off of it a little bit. Honestly, one of the things about this movie that I disliked was one of the very few things that was established, and that was I really didn't like the witchcraft angle of this. And for you used a phrase when you were talking about your overview, you know, just playing very fast and loose with it. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, it was, it was kind of this like, uh, it was like this propaganda pamphlet version of what like, you know, witchcraft can be. Yeah. And, and I didn't like that down to the fact that uh, uh, Melissa McCormick's uh, girlfriend, Amy, you know, she was just, she was this very stereo, like she was this late nineties teen drama goth girl, which, uh, which is just, you know, it's fine. And it's an aesthetic that, that people use and pull off, but it was, it we last week we used the phrase on the nose it was yeah. it was too on the nose mm -hmm. you know you can you can have a character that is um a girl who is a recovering cutter who is into witchcraft 
who doesn't necessarily wear combat boots and the razor blade earrings and all that. And, and I get that she's a foil. But can more- you? Because I, I don't know. And certainly the costume designer in this movie doesn't know that right. that's true. And like, so I get that she's a foil to this, you know, this bubblegum haired Melissa McCormick. And, and so they're, you know, they're this weird, you know, they're this, they're this cute, you know, little uh, she, her and me couple and, you know, opposites mm-hmm. attract type thing. But it was just, it was, it was too on the nose. And like I said, it really, it reminded me, it was like, when I remember watching, I remember watching the craft, which, which I referenced when I was bringing this up and, and think, mm-hmm. and like, and you watch the craft and that was a really well done idea of how to present this aesthetic without overstating it. And I mean, this, this made the costuming in the craft look like, I mean, the, 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 the girls of the craft were just out for brunch, right? Like they are just, they're just typical moms out. But the craft is also interestingly like a product of its time yeah, and, and, and also like influential on its time. So it took what was already popular dress and popular fashion in the 90s and made it witchcraft right whereas and, this- and, and 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 then that in turn influenced the way that people dress so like uh, the craft was one of these incredibly influential movies whether or not it's a good movie aside you know <laughs> i mean because i i think it's an enjoyable movie i yeah. don't know if it's a good one right and this one didn't do that and, yeah and, no and, and, like and this- it, it just said oh uh what was it that she wore in the craft? Yeah, let's do that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like Amy's wardrobe was like every trope of a teenage witch, you know, mm-hmm. that, that this costume designer could think of. And so I, it was, it was, I didn't really like that. I didn't like that, you know, and I don't know, this, this is part, part of this isn't, and I guess there's, there's, there's a cautionary tale here, right. Uh, about, so what they do is they, they cast us, they're, they're making out one day and this kid from their school videos it and they make some really weird offhanded reference to deep porn, deep fake porn. So I which guess he never explained, which I, I, I guess, like I said, that, that whole angle that, that, this, that was a downside for me. So I guess that this kid created like put their faces on some porn and like released it out around their school or whatever they cast a spell to try to uh get him to shut up to stop talking shit is what they keep saying mm-hmm. and it, and he ends up choking on his own tongue and he dies so they they go about casting a spell that they found online and uh and it you know brings about the end of the world that felt- that that's another thing that kind of bugged me it felt so slapdash to me, like that part of it. If did, if Amy did not, is... uh, did not, yeah, like if if Amy if Amy is a character who genuinely suffered from, um, you know, walk, walking walking corpse syndrome, where yeah. you, you you walk around convinced that you're dead, she genuinely suffered from that. She, you know, all and then so all of a sudden, you know, takes it upon herself to cast a necromancy spell to bring back to bring herself back to life. You know, it's just. I don't know. There's something unnerving to me about somebody who is presented as a character with a deep respect for what they're doing, but is so not abhorrent. enough, res- not enough respect to actually research. Right. The Just next so abhorrently bad at, at doing it. Like mm-hmm. she's presented as this character who has this, you know, decent, 
extremely deep knowledge of what she's doing. And, you know, she's, she knows the, the medical term for, for, for the walking corpse syndrome. And, and, and she's, you know, she had all these ideas and, uh, you know, the, the, the concept of necromancy spells isn't exactly Wicca 101, no. you know, so, so she, that's, so, that's a deep cut. Yeah. So there, there was obviously the thought put into figuring that out, but then this idea of just like, uh, like I said, just, just a quick, Oh, well, I found this spell online and it's going to stop the end of the war or, you know, it's going to stop what we started that whole witchcraft angle felt real slapdash and it's just like okay we need like we we've got this idea for this family that's locked in there and there's something apocalyptic happening outside but we need something that caused it and yeah. just that that element of the story and I now didn't I, really enjoy. I i do i do have a, a very very weak counter argument to that um it is possible that amy is not who she said she was mm -hmm. all along and that she was using Melissa as a way to bring about the end of the world. Which right? is possibly hinted it at is, in the very is, final scene. It is, right. And the, the final scene kind of hints at this, right? But because it's merely a weak suggestion because of one image that we are given, an image that is explained no further than the image itself, right? It's like if I were to tell you, what is this? And you have never seen this thing before, right? Right. There's no way for you to know that this is a pen, right? For the listener at home, watch the fucking thing live so you can see <laughs> me hold up a fucking pen, right? Uh, that's that's what that was, you know? So is it possible that she was using Melissa? I, I, I think it's possible. Right. But, and, that, um, and that whatever was inside of her that she brought back was, was still, you know, inside of her and controlling her at that point. Like mm -hmm. I said, that was the one part, like of the, of the many things that they, that they, that they explored, right. The atmosphere core element of it, like I said, at the beginning, that was terrifying to me. I, um, so living here in Alabama, we do occasionally have a storm where we have to close ourselves in a bathroom together. And honestly, you know, my kids are um, 11, 10 and four. You don't want to be in a bathroom with the three of them for 10 minutes, let alone yeah. multiple days. <laughs> so so already I'm like, all right, yeah, this is creepy. You know, I, I will. This is this is just completely off the wall thing. There was one moment where they've been trapped in there for a while and they're like, oh, God, we're all so hungry. We have to eat. And the first thought that popped in my head was, yeah, they're right. I should put snacks in the in the stuff that we get together when we have to get in the bathroom during tornadoes. That's like We always get our stuff together. Right? I'm like, all right, I got my boots here. We've got bike helmets for the kids. Okay, if we got to go in the bathroom, everything's ready. Never once I've been like, let me put snacks in there in case we're trapped for days. Now that's you know in my head forever. But um, so the so the atmospheric core element of it, I liked that a lot. I I really did enjoy that. the The bizarre family drama of the uh, you know, uh, neglectful, possibly abusive, but he does say, "Have I ever hurt you?" You know, or are you just worried that I'm going to, um, the the alcoholic, neglectful father, um, you know, the the mom who's having an affair. It, I mm -hmm. guess, or at least has decided who she's moving on with after she right. leaves her husband. Um, that, that family drama part of it, uh, was, was interesting. And it was, it, I honestly, like we talk about not having to be told everything. I think that the family drama part of it that was there, we were given just enough to put the pieces together. I agree and I, I thought they did a good job with that. 
I loved the 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 dad like constantly having to stave off the DTs, like starting off drinking the mouthwash, eventually like sucking on the alcohol wipes until the ethanol or the isopropyl or the ethanol or whatever actually made him go blind. Yeah, crazy. But I kind of loved it. Um, I liked the maybe monster angle, um, you know, where you hear the automatic machine gun go off and something attack the guy. I liked all of the elements and felt that they were kind of placed in there just the right amount that I enjoyed the kind of trail mix type movie that we got. But of all the elements that were there, that whole witchcraft angle, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't feel, that was the part of the movie that didn't feel fully developed to me. It it felt like they started with the good idea of what they wanted to do with it and kind of reached a point where they were then suddenly the 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 writers weren't 100 percent sure how to proceed so it all just became very tropey and that that part i didn't enjoy but the rest of the you know not being able to establish identity i was mostly okay with that because it did keep me uneasy it's you know the only monster that you actually see is a rattlesnake and yeah that rattlesnake ends up playing a huge role in the movie. And that's also very interesting when you're presented with this idea of witchcraft and some sort of apocalyptic event and a supernatural monster outside a demon dog. But then also the snake that gets in just the plain old rattlesnake is just as deadly as any of those things that ends up becoming this really weird and cool element to me too. So I did kind of like how they just, man, they just threw all this shit in the gumbo pot and said, let's see, you know, what kind of scary movie comes out. And I, you know, like I'm going to, I'm just going to pick around that witchcraft angle a little bit when I, when I eat it. I'm going to be all right. You know, what's interesting is I didn't consider the snake as a monster until you mentioned it because the, the, uh, I only ever saw two monsters in this movie. Um, uh, good boy, good boy. And the father, those were the only two monsters that that I recognized watching the movie. Uh, for me, the the snake was more um, you know, to, to go back to like middle school literary analysis. That was man versus nature. Right. Right. Um, and, and and I guess that that could be a monster unto itself, you know, um, but, you know, each each one of them suffers due to the father right whether it be the mother's spirit completely being demoralized whether it be the son dying from the snake bite at you know pretty much the hands of his father yes or um or or the daughter being completely you know dead to 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 the world you know and ascended being not much more than that walking corpse that Amy claims to be, you know? Um, and, and we, we could definitely tell that his, um, his parenting is, is a part of that, right? She, she says when, when Bobby's, you know, when Bobby's dying, he says, and where, where was dad when I was at the hospital? She says he was drunk in a bowling alley. Right. You know, so she, she's been, she's been coping with his alcoholism and, and his, uh, whether it's abuse or uh, or just neglect, right? Uh, she's been coping with it for her entire life. So it, I I saw him as the big bad. 
Oh yeah, no, w- without a doubt, I I one hundred percent agree with you. Like when when we're looking at the monster movie angle of it, he is absolutely presented to us as a monster in the movie. I just I I just also like I said, I when you when when you throw the rattlesnake in there, and yeah, it is just a result of the things that happen. But it does become an antagonist that moves the movie forward and, you know, kills one of the characters. So I'm, I'm checking the rattlesnake in the monster box, too. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, you've uh, you've got me there. Um, but it, it does bring to me that now that we're, we're talking about it, um, the acting. Right. Since we're talking about, um, you know, the, the dynamics with uh, with the characters. Right. Um, it does kind of seem like there was this sort of, hey, do what you want to do sort of thing going on here, because there was no one school of acting going on. It was, it was, it was kind of, um, you know, catch as catch can and, and, um, and, and what, what we've got is what we've got. Right. So, um, do, um. Do you think, uh, as as you put it um, in in the show sheet, right? Uh, do you think it was a smart choice to allow this dealer's choice method of acting? I think that's a good way of putting it. It's interesting, right? We have we've spent many episodes of this show talking about the great directors that just draw these amazing performances out of their actors. We've talked about being floored by uh, Ari Aster being able to go out and get these people and get them all on board um, with, with doing the same thing. Uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick is legendary for, for, you know, his, his directorial, you know, iron fistedness is what I'm going to say. Um, you know, the, and these are all people that we've done when we're looking at this movie and, uh, so Sean King O'Grady being the director here, it really like, it was, it was spray and pray with these actors he was just like you know what? hey what are you good at and you know and he goes he goes to the the actors playing that was it pat healy isn't that his name yeah, yeah. pat healy mm-hmm. so he goes to pat healy and he's like all right what are you good at and he's like man like if i were in this situation you know i would i i think I, you know and i were this alcoholic dad staving off the dts i'd i'd be over the top nuts and he's like all right cool go with it right and so and so you know and he goes and he so he goes to vanessa shaw and he's like all right well what do you what do you think you know if you were in this situation and she's you know i would i would shut down and i would become that person who just has to keep rowing the boat and i would try to keep my family uh, together and and everything's gonna be okay all right cool go with it you know and then sierra mccormick doing this just really you know closed off um really you know isolated you know maybe this is my fault like just there's so much going on here with the acting and and you said at the top and i think that you nailed it i think sierra mccormick did an amazing job i think she did i think that she portrayed this quiet teenager with the looming guilt of her family falling apart and maybe the end of the world weighing on her very heavily and i think she did an awesome job with that I think that Vanessa Shaw was amazing. She really was. I loved watching the way that she bent and bent and bent until she finally broke. And then when she did, delivered 
so amazingly when she had finally just she couldn't put up with the dad anymore and i mean don't when you she, ever talk to my daughter that yes way again it was yeah fucking great yeah yeah and and then and you know the uh, the actor who played bobby sure you know it's like hey play a little kid who's scared you're comforted by your mom cool you know th that one's that one's not take it you know that one's take it or leave it doesn't he, he, he the character had an effect on the movie i don't think the acting one way or another was going to make that character any better mm -hmm. pat healy is the interesting thing here. There's part of me that really wants to say what I got from Pat Healy was so insane that it was laughable and unenjoyable. But there's part of me that really wants to be like, you know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe it is possible to go that crazy. And and I and I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is. We don't. You know, the one thing about this movie was that they never actually kind of allow for any sort of substantial knowledge of how much time has passed. We occasionally see them sleep, but not often. We know that they've got running water, so you can't gauge it based on how dehydrated they are. Um, you know, you know, people can go two weeks without that, eating. That is, that is also something that doesn't make an awful lot of sense <laughs> if the house is structurally compromised uh and their pipes have been burst by this tree you know just crushing the house right uh they would not have running water or power which they or power have. yeah but, uh, it's but again this is, it's supernatural so you know just yeah. hey fuck it you know this isn't a nerf dart <laughs> you know this this is uh you know whatever the this is a million fucking dollars yeah it's not a nerf dart and so, so it's established they have running water um they they end up uh even though it's even though it's disgusting, we know that they eat the tongue out of the demon dog, right? So they've had some food. So we're never sure how much time has passed. And so I keep trying to nail down how I feel about Pat Healy's performance because part of me wants to say it was awful. Part of me really wants to say it was awful. Part of me wants to say that this guy looked at Jack Torrance and was like, Psh. I can do that, but better. And just, and, you know, and just went nuts with it. Right. But the bigger part of me knows that this was a guy who was let off the leash and just didn't know what to do with that much freedom. I think that the performance that we got from Pat Healy in this movie was uh, the definition of being being given enough rope to hang himself. Mm -hmm. I think that he was given a lot of license and a lot of artistic freedom, and he was never reined in. And it did I, it didn't suck me out of the movie like you said it did for you, but it did start to take away from the movie. Like I cuss a lot, not in front of my kids. But, you know, I do cuss a lot. But I do like to think that even while going crazy, I've never never had the DTs. Um, but I do like to think that that while going crazy and possibly going through withdrawal, I might be a little I might be a little more able to put together sentences that weren't just fuck you, you motherfucker. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Motherfuck, mm -hmm. fuck. Which is pretty much all he said. Like, unless he was bad mouthing you, someone in the room. Cunt, fuck, motherfucker, yes. Like, it was just like it, that. That particular one, I really wanted to find a way to like it um, because I know even on this podcast, one of the things that I'm that that people you know usually tend to not agree with me with is I I don't I don't like 
I don't like Nicholson's Torrance that much in The Shining because I feel like it's so overacted. And so I did try to like step back from myself on this and find a way to like Pat Healy's dad in this. And it was funny, but it it I don't it wasn't supposed to be funny. And I guess that's the problem, right? So there there were a lot of great acting performances here, but man, he did just kind of manage to shit the entire bed. Um, and, and the problem when you shit the bed is, um, if it's a solid stool, the other side of the bed more or less stays okay. You know, like stinks a little, but the sheets are clean on that <laughs> side, you know, um, he clearly had some like three day old Taco Bell. Yeah. Because... He shit the bed so bad. Uh, I I think you, you you were onto something there, where you know he was given enough rope to hang himself with. I I, I think it, it reminded me a lot of Eric Freeman in Silent Night Deadly Night, and a lot of what Eric Freeman has to say about his time on set is that he was given no direction, and if we look at Sean King O'Grady's IMDb page. There's uh, he's got a not inconsiderable number of producer credits, mostly in television, some short film, um, some documentaries. Uh, when it comes to directing, though, He's done like an episode here or there of of a TV documentary series or of a or or of a or of a documentary film, but this is the only feature film he's directed, and I think that that says an awful lot about what we got on screen because we have two seasoned actresses. Uh, one in Sierra McCormick, who's been acting for years, even though she's very young, and one in Vanessa Shaw, who, uh, as I stated, I've been in love with since the early 90s when I saw her in Hocus Pocus, right? Um, they were awesome, but they know their craft, right? Um, and so when you have actors like Bobby, you know, um, who you know, maybe he doesn't know what he's doing yet. You know, he hasn't quite found himself yet. Um, I'm looking at uh, the woman who played Amy. Let's see. Um, what's she known for? She's She doesn't really... Yeah, she's got six acting credits to her name. So she hasn't really done much either. You know, she's, she's just breaking into... Uh, into the industry now, you know, Pat Healy, he's, he's got some acting credits, but I think that he was going for something wild. Like you said, um, the impression I got was that he was going for a very Nicolas Cage like performance and hoping to get Nicolas Cage like results. The problem is that Nicolas Cage has an ethos has, has this like credibility that he's established as uh, as an actor, as a human, I guess he's human, right? Possibly. Um, possibly, yeah. That, like, we see him and immediately buy into what he's doing. There's something, he's he's got a charisma about him that you're immediately in, 
right? In the same way that on a totally different level, you're immediately in with Tom Hanks, right? So Pat Healy didn't have that. You know, you have neither established yourself as the type of person who is going to give that sort of performance, nor do you establish it throughout the film because he's, he runs hot and cold, yeah. right? Normally hot, sometimes cold. And when he's a little bit more reserved is when I was like, oh, okay, that was, a, that was an interesting scene. But in the end, for me, it was so bad that it ruins the film for me. Um, I mentioned Night of the Living Dead. Uh, there's an actor there that really, really overperforms. The material, however, and the rest of the cast is strong enough, I think, to carry this movie. But when you're really only talking about three other actors and two of them of consequence, like you said, Bobby is more or less an inconsequential part of this movie, yeah. right? He serves the purpose of being the point in the movie that brings mother and daughter together and splits father, daughter, and you know, wife apart, right? He's a MacGuffin. That's yes. uh, he is he is nothing more than a MacGuffin. You're absolutely um, right. Unfortunately, and, and there was really great possibility to have awesome interaction between him and Melissa. But really, the only thing that's established there is that the mom was a great mom. Yeah. You 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 could have done that without him, you know. So um, uh, for me, the the acting was, I don't know if it was a lower point than, you know, than style, but <laughs> fuck, man. I just, I, I could not get into it. And, yeah. and it's really unfortunate because, like I said, Vanessa Shaw and, and Sierra McCormick fucking knocked it out of the park. They really did. And, you know, there's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, that, like I said, we were given such a, a wide variety of things. Um, and, and, you know, and that, that's what we keep talking about, right? There's just this, this variety, the, the, the type of horror, the acting, it, it, it just, it continues to be a mixed grab. But one thing that, you know, that can be stated, you know, pretty definitively is that what it lacks in, in substance and in, in reveals you know, we do get a decent amount of scares and gore in this movie. Um, you know, there's really only one death, um, you, mm -hmm. or no, two deaths, excuse me, that, that we see. That we, we see two deaths. We hear possibly one off screen. But we do get a good number of scares, and we do get some gore. So when you're looking at the scares and the gore, you know, what, what stands out for you as, as, as good scares or as, as great effects, things that even though you've stated, you know, you're not a fan of the movie, what are the things that when you do remember it, if you've got to talk fondly about, you're going to talk about? Um, so I don't think the special effects were good. However, the scares when they happened were great. Um, and I, I can think of, two that really stand out and unfortunately for me they were the only two that really did much um there's that first one which i mentioned comes 35 minutes in it's building up to the who's a good boy who's a good boy and the dog is licking him and as melissa's got her hand out right and they hear i'm a good boy 
in i mean the fact that you're hearing any voice at all right is terrifying but the fact that it sounds the way that it does and they've got that booming bass on it it's it's reverberating now that i'm finding out it's ozzy it's even fucking scarier right <laughs> because ozzy i fucking love you you are one of my gods but you're one of the scariest motherfuckers in the world right um like that that's terrifying and that the fact that she is getting like pulled through the door i was uncertain if she was going to get her arm ripped off right at, at that moment you know um when she finally pulls back and you see that there's something in her hands um th that moment again just I, I was on the edge of my seat there and I very rarely am on the edge of my seat, right? I will sometimes like sit up, but this was like full on, like my arms were on the armrest. I was up, I was leaning back just before the scene. I was leaning back and eating frosted flakes right out of the box. Like if I was <laughs> back in college, all right? And you, you know why you eat frosted flakes right out of the box when you're in college, uh. right? And, and I dropped that box and I was sitting up on my haunches like, what the fuck? I was looking at no one because there was no one sitting next to me. And I was looking at the no one next to me saying, can you fucking believe this shit? It was that good. It was an absolutely incredible moment. And 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 then they, they take this thing and they throw it in the sink and it's a fucking tongue, right? Um now this is again where I think the 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 movie kind of suffers. There's clearly very little budget, right? I don't think the effect of the ton wiggling around in the sink was particularly good. I don't think it was particularly bad, but it was not a good effect either. Um, it just it it only pulsated in two places, and I realized that it, it like movie David was saying. Oh, well, that's an animatronic, right? Right. And, and you you don't want to think that, right? Now, I was happy they went with that instead of CG. Because for me, watching, even if it's a even if it's you know puppeteering that's going on, it's like, oh, that's that's a it's a fucking tongue, right? Yeah. So so there there was some of that that went in there, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, it, props that you went like like the real special effects route and you didn't you didn't like cgi that thing in um the second one was the snake biting bobby that scene again i like flung out of my seat right i mean at, at that point i kind of figured something was going to happen so i did gently place the box of frosted flakes down <laughs> and, and i was i was prepared that time and that was an incredible scene uh, because of again that that buildup, that tension that uh, I was mentioning earlier, that that O'Grady is able to build just before these scenes, he is able to build that incredible tension where he's just you know the the the, the father's just smashing his head into the door jam, you know, and and I was uncertain if he was just gonna fucking crush his skull right at that point, and and then once the mom comes in finally you know she 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 finds you know the the wherewithal to come in and be like you know unhand my my son you know not without my daughter you know sort of <laughs> moment and um and, and and she puts an end to it uh that's when for me melissa really wakes up 
and she realizes that she's got to do something in this situation. She can't continue to think about Amy. Amy's not there, right? She can't continue to think about, oh, you know, this is my fault. Like, no, I've got to act in the moment. I got to do something right now, right? And uh, and she she jumps into big sister mode, and 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 she I think she did a fantastic and and the way that she reacts to the snake going for him, and and in fact the way that that shot. I think was really, really great with the camera really down low and the snakes. Yeah. And again, they used um, not a real snake, but they, they used, um, you know, a, a real puppet or animatronic or whatever it was to clamp down on Bobby's arm. It was a great, great scene, you know, and, and that was a truly effective scare and and knowing that this is certain death for him you know that that was a moment where uh, you don't often see children die in horror movies yes um it's like one of the cardinal rules you don't kill kids and when it happens it's always like oh fuck yeah i can't believe they broke the rule you know it better be worth it and in this case i think it was worth it because it was a turning point in the narrative even if i don't think the narrative was that good it was a turning point in the narrative it was meaningful for the movie you know in the same way that it was for halloween in 2018. um so th for me those were the two major scares as far as special effects go i gotta say i i, I was kind of let down um particularly uh as, as far as like close-ups go the um i mentioned the tongue but i uh, i think also when she's stabbing her father at the end um the way the blood spurts out is i did just comical and i, I was did. thinking I, I was thinking like okay so he really was a like a cartoon character all along right it, it's, <laughs> it's like that who frames roger rabbit thing yeah it's like not just any tune you I, know th that's why he bleeds that way i didn't i did notice the blood spurts but i was gonna throw in as far as effective scary kills up a minus the blood spurts which i did notice that that kill was very effective to me just because it there was it i that was one that was one of those ones i could feel like i've mm -hmm. cut my i've cut my hand on a broken mirror before and and it hurts like hell like if you have never cut yourself on broken glass it's not like getting cut with a knife where it's just mm -hmm. a sheer edge that slits you open like you feel a million shards rip you open when you when you get cut with broken glass so when she grabs that piece of mirror and just starts stabbing her dad in the back before before i noticed the, the comical blood spurts which i absolutely <laughs> did notice i was I, I was you know in this in this medium here where we're describing kind of where we were like i was my shoulders were back because like my my entire back tensed up because Phantom i pain. could feel yeah. i could feel what I could only imagine it must be like to be getting stabbed over and over and over again with this giant piece of broken glass. And so, yes, the blood spurts were a bit much, but I don't think to me, they didn't kill that moment as far as being an effective scare. Also, what's, what's really funny about that particular one, you've talked a lot about the tension building to these really great moments. 
What's really effective to me about the getting stabbed in the back with the broken mirror uh, kill is that it comes as a release to a scene that was unintentionally comical. Maybe I don't know. So at, so the, the snake gets, so the, after the snake bites Bobby, they trap it underneath the trash can and they've got the toilet lid on it. Well, while they're scuffling later on, because he decides that he has to kill his daughter, kill the witch. Mm -hmm. Um, it, 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 they're scuffling and the trash can gets knocked out. The snake gets free. It bits, it bites, it bites the dad. So he scoops it up, bites its head off, and spits it out the absolute depths of his insanity <laughs> and so at that moment i'm like all right you know i get it right it was it was the it was the uh it was the metal reference to if you see a gun in act one you have to use it in act three right if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you reference biting a creature's head off in act one you better bite it off in act three and so he literally bites the head off this snake and spits it out and i'm like all right it's kind of it's, it's kind of funny but i see it right the guy's gone crazy but then he turns the snake into a whip and, <laughs> and he's whipping his wife with it. Yeah. And she's, she's pinned up against the wall and screaming and it's not supposed to be funny, but damn it. I, and it's, and it's not, it's just, there's something funny to me about somebody getting whipped with a snake. I'm sorry. I don't know <laughs> that, <laughs> that to me, that the, the, the weight of that scene was not, was not delivered and what I believe the director had in mind mm -hmm. um, when he, when he started doing it. And so the, the sudden burst of her running up and stabbing him in the back, going from something that to me was so cartoonish to this very real visceral pain of being stabbed with broken glass was a dark cold shower for me because mm -hmm. i was i was kind of i was in like it was it was a really heavy scene but just because of the way it was delivered i was in this really light headspace after biting the head off the snake and whipping his wife with the snake it, it probably shouldn't have been but i was i was like okay this is this is weird but then and then like i said it's just this this stark contrast of like okay yeah that was comical but you know what getting stabbed with glass that's real and that's pain that you can feel so that one really stood out for me and then what i think they wanted the one other one i'm going to throw into the mix here is the scene that i think they wanted to be the standout scene from the movie the one that people were going to talk about unfortunately is the scene that didn't deliver and that was amy showing up at the very end of the film mm -hmm. maybe the cuts all over her arms start bleeding rad right that's this, a cool effect yeah, yeah great effect right and i was like oh shit yeah we're gonna find out that she is the demon or whatever and then the weird tendrils kind of shooting out of her mouth and going into sierra mccormick's mouth and and just like i couldn't be scared in that moment because I was so utterly confused mm -hmm. that while graphically it was a decent scene, I think it went from a great scene when the effect, when her arms were bleeding to just an okay scene, when the tendrils shot out, it got real choppy. It didn't look amazing. Um, and then it just suddenly disappeared. And then it was just a, what the fuck scene. And, and, so, and, and there's no reference to it later. Right. There's no, and, and no visible change in Melissa. 
And so I feel like they wanted that to be this really keystone visual element in the movie that people were going to talk about. And I feel like the mark was missed there. Um, you know, it, it, it started there off. Is, with- there is another earlier in the movie as well, where I, I think that uh, O'Grady and um, uh, Max, uh, what was his name? The, the author. Oh, um, um oh, damn it. Hold on. I, I knew it. And then I'd switched over because I was looking at Pat Healy's <laughs> acting credits. <laughs> Um, uh, Max Booth, Max um, Booth the third. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that they kind of got together and said, well, I think these would make some really amazing images, right? Um, and uh, the other one was when when Melissa was dreaming, maybe, uh, and her, you know, Bobby's corpse was already decomposed oh, yeah. in the bathtub, and she tells her parents what's going on. Um, I that one. And um, yeah, that it's kind of replaying the the first night, you know, and then her her body opens up and we get a maybe an homage to the chestburster scene in Alien and and all this blood is coming out and, you know, her father is drinking the blood, her mother's drinking the blood and it's all bathed in red. It's a beautiful frame yes it's for oh, that's exactly yeah it is framed but it means amazingly. nothing it means absolutely nothing yeah there's you know? there, there is at no point any explanation for what the symbolism of her ripping open her stomach and the blood shooting out and why the parents would suddenly drink yeah. it that there's and again that's 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 a spot where where you're right just the 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 lack of reveals you know is is another one where this movie suffers um yes uh I do think, however, uh, as critical as I've been of this movie, um, there is one area that kind of shines, uh, and and I think it's the technical aspect of this movie, right? Um, I, I, I you put it in a way that uh, I hadn't thought of uh, to me earlier. You said this is essentially uh, a bottle episode from a sitcom where you're working with, uh, with, with a very limited space, uh, you know, your, your camera, uh, the, the blocking, everything is worked out so meticulously because you're, you're working with that limited space, right? Because everyone has to manage to keep everything within the confines of that bathroom. Right. Um, how did this work to keep you intrigued? So we talked about how the, the there's there's a there's a good size to this bathroom, you know, for a bathroom, but it's still a tight space. And so the the two things that that I was constantly amazed by were one just how in depth the the blocking and the positioning of these characters went. Like every mm-hmm. because there was such limited space there had to be a great attention to detail with where everyone was going to be for a shot to be effective and i think that they pulled that off really really well i feel like there were a lot of times where somebody was just barely in frame or just kind of out of focus and those things were done amazingly mm-hmm. i th- the um the the camera uh, the the cinematographer of this movie um uh, his name is jean philippe bernier i'm going to assume is how you pronounce that last name um he definitely knew what he was doing because not only do you have a small space that you're working with, but you have a small space 
with a huge mirror in it, which yeah. is also going to make it harder to get the angles that you want to get because now you're limited on where you can be without, without crew and the camera showing up in the mirror. And that was a feat within itself. You know, there are plenty, plenty, plenty of times when you can watch a high budget film and occasionally catch a mirror, uh, catch a camera in a mirror. It happens. It's just something, you know, you, you get used to. I, um, I, there's a part of me that wants to watch this movie again and just keep an eye on that mirror and see if we ever see the camera in it because I was halfway doing it this time through when I realized that this was the only space we were going to be in and it was not that large. They did a great job with shooting this movie. For all of the, the the highs and lows that this movie has, I think that the way it shot was done beautifully. And I think there were some really great frames. Like you said, that scene that we were just describing, that scene doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But it was framed so well with the parents just kneeling down right beside her and her like on the step by the bathtub, almost like an altar, kind right. of raised up above mm-hmm. them. Those types of things. And he's catching it in his thermos, almost yes. as if it's a chalice. Um, but you know, yeah, it does, doesn't mean but, Yeah, but ultimately it doesn't mean anything. But technically, that's a great scene. There's something else that I want to know if you saw today that I think is a bizarre directorial decision. So when I was reading today, so, okay, so at, at one, we talked about the dad trying to kill the witch. At one point in the movie, there's uh, things are getting hectic, and all of a sudden you hear music start playing, and it's putting on the Ritz by Taco. Right. And they realize it's her phone ringing, and he grabs it, and he just starts talking to some guy. Whoever's on the phone tells him he has to kill his daughter. Okay, that's interesting. What's really interesting is I read multiple reviews today that said the song that played was never going to give you up. And Yeah, no, I heard putting on the Ritz. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if in there in the earliest showings of this movie, if they put "Never Gonna Give You Up" in there, because the number one comment that everybody thought they were so clever for saying was, "At that moment, I knew I'd been rickrolled for the whole film." And so I wonder if if they went back and they were like, "That's not what we meant to do. We just thought it would be kind of funny to put it in there." Like, but now everybody's turning it into this whole movie was just a gag. And so I guess that after some of those reviews came out they went back and they put putting on the ritz in there instead of never going to give you up for like a home release yeah Yeah. which uh which is an an interesting you know that's that's an interesting idea of uh, a director or a film company or whoever made that decision using the fact that this was a digital release and could be altered for the masses that quickly and and fix that so that there wouldn't be that complaint. So if that's the case, you know, that was a great directorial decision to kind of, you know, if there's something you can change that everybody's turning into a joke to do it because I didn't putting on the Ritz didn't come across as a joke to me. It did come off as, you know, just like something. It's a, it's a weird, creepy song anyway. And so, and so it was, it was a way to lighten it up while keeping it creepy. And so I think it's a great decision to switch it from, um, from uh, Rick Astley. If that's the case, if that's what they did. I, I can't hear that song without thinking of young Frankenstein. 
because it's it's the tap dance number <laughs> yes, that is. Gene Wilder and uh, Peter Boyle do <laughs> as uh, as Doctor Frankenstein and and his monster. Uh, who's now a man about town, as he says. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I heard that, and I immediately started wishing I had watched Young Frankenstein. <laughs> okay. uh, so although I don't think I was being rickrolled, I, I I did long for uh, for both Mel Brooks and Frankenstein. So um, yeah, I I think from a technical aspect, this movie is a well-made movie. Uh, and that's one of the things I, I don't think anyone can take away from this. Uh, it's, it's well edited. It's well shot. Um, it's, um, it, O'Grady definitely knows what he's doing. And I think he hired the right people to, to work with as well, because like, um, like you said, the, uh, the cinematographer, uh, Bernier, he's really good. A lot of those shots were very, very nice, and in particular, those those two red tinted shots are are just spectacular. Uh, and and the editing, there it's an editor named Sean Patrick Ford. Uh, really good, really, really good editing. I think here, um, it's uh, it's a shame that the final product doesn't reflect the amount of work that clearly went into it. Um, you know, I, I, I never, I never enjoy taking a dump on something that people have worked on, you right. know, um, uh, that doesn't stop it from, from not being good in my eyes. Uh, you know, and you're always proud of the work that you do and it's always, it's always work. Um, and I think, I think you can tell that here, you know, the, everyone involved in this production, was uh was firing on all cylinders and, and and that's that's something that for me at least gives this movie a full star you know whenever we get around to our rating um you know you can you can bet your ass that one of whatever unit it is that we are using uh will will come from that because it it, it really is a a well-made movie Right. And um, there were the two other just uh, of the, the technical things, one being the very first or not, not the very first. But when we get the title block, we referenced earlier when we were talking about atmospheric corn, we, we referenced hammer that just red letters on a black background that said we need to do something. And even when classic. the credits rolled, that was mm -hmm. that was very classic. I thought that was a great directorial decision. And from oh, a, and, and and the the fact uh, from uh, from like a, a rhetorical standpoint to see the credits begin to roll over this uh, like very suburban looking area, which is where many people in this pandemic were stuck, you know, they were right. stuck at home, you know, uh, that, that to me was, was a great stylistic choice, you know, uh, which it, again goes to the, the technical mm. prowess of this movie, uh, which, which I think uh, O'Grady's time as a producer and, and what he's done in the documentary world all helped with that. Uh, and then the the one other thing, and this was partially the writing, partially the acting, but there was something very visceral to me about after 
um, after Melissa has killed her father and she curls into her mother's lap and all she keeps saying is, have we always been here? Mm -hmm. There was that moment like the just and and it was it was a little bit of everything it was it was the great acting from both of the actors um on screen at that moment um did that the 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 directing of of you know getting her to that spot the way that was written just everything about the way that there was it was just it was just very barely scored that scene to me was so so good because i (laughs) I remember, I, I remember like, wait, and, and you know, not to the extreme of this movie, but like I said, six weeks of not being able to leave the house. Like, I remember days of waking up and being like, this, this is, this is the only life I've ever had yeah. is just mowing the grass and staring at Tiger King. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's all the world's ever been, yeah. right? And, Today is yesterday and yesterday <laughs> and is tomorrow. Today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, so it, it's, it, that that scene was very very powerful and again that just goes back to that was one of those moments where everyone involved was firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. so it is that time when we get into rating the movie and as uh, if you are a new listener to the show we would like to let you know that when we rate a movie we only rate it against itself that's why we create a unique rating system for each movie uh we went through a couple of different things for this one but if you've been listening, you know, the one thing that we keep going back and we keep referencing is there's a scene where they rip a tongue out of a demon dog's face. I guess we never really see the dog's face. Yeah. But so when it came down to it, there was only one there was only one logical choice for how to rate this movie. So Dave, out of a possible five demon dog tongues, it could still be in the demon dog. It could be flopping around in the sink. Your choice. <laughs> how many do you give this movie? I, I do prefer my demon dog tongues in the sink, uh, <laughs> well washed uh, before you start taking the tendons out uh, to, to to chew on very small pieces because very it small is pieces. Uh, tough to chew, but easy to choke on, um, as, uh, as Vanessa Shaw says. Um, I, I stated earlier, uh, I think it might have even been in last week's episode, that... Um, a two and a half is kind of like a maybe you should see this movie, right? And a three is definitely a hey, you should watch this movie. So for me, a two means you probably shouldn't watch this movie. Uh, it would have to be to someone who I know would more than likely enjoy this movie to recommend it. Um, I don't know that two is low enough for how I feel about this movie, but I also don't know that one and a half demon dog tongues is, uh, is too low. Like, I think that might be too low because the acting from Vanessa Shaw and from Sierra McCormick was stellar. The, the production value was there, but otherwise I really can't recommend this movie. And I don't know that I can recommend this movie to anyone other than maybe someone who is like a theater geek who uh, like really appreciates that sort of black box theater style production. 
you know right uh so like we're talking about a really limited amount of people that i would recommend this to and even then i would still have to face this person afterwards and say you want to talk about this thing <laughs> um so if i gotta choose between one and a half and two stars I think I'm going to go one and a half stars. I really did not like this movie. I don't see myself ever watching this movie again. In fact, I don't see myself ever talking about this movie again, <laughs> except maybe if we ever watch another movie where Sierra McCormick is in, uh, she does seem to really like, uh, you know, genre films, uh, Miss McCormick, please continue to to work in the genre because I think you were fantastic. Uh, Miss Shaw, um, you're awesome. Please call me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, I just didn't really like this one. Okay, fair enough. So I, like I said at the top, I did. I enjoyed it. There was there was a little bit of everything. I'm, you know, I I I I tend to like things. Um, you know, I, you know, and I, that's not to say that I like everything. There are things that I don't, but there was, there was, this was a movie that never really had solid footing on what it wanted to be. This was a movie that left me with far more questions than I had going in and going in. I just, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what it was about. You know, I didn't know anything about it. Like, why are they trapped? You know, I had questions going in after the trailer. Um, and and it did leave me with with more questions than answers, but sometimes I'm okay with that. I'm a lost fan. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was there were some great technical aspects to this. There were some powerhouse performances um, from from the two actresses uh, in the movie. Uh, there was Ozzy Osbourne voicing a demon dog. I, I, there 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 are enough positives here that I can think I actually can um, Josh Schneider, a friend of mine uh, listens to the show. Like he's one that, uh, you know, I can think of a couple people that I might recommend this to. There might be some caveats, you know, tell me, look, it's not the greatest thing ever, but it's, it's a fun ride. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of where I stand with this. I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was visually appealing. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it, it didn't, it didn't keep me enthralled the entire time. But I did enjoy watching it. And when it was over, I, I didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. So um, out of, I am going to give it three and a half uh, uh, demon dog tongues. I, I did enjoy it. There's a possibility I would watch it again. Um, there are, I do, it, it, you know, part of it would be a, a hunt for some sort of subtext that maybe I missed. <laughs> um and to maybe to maybe to I'd maybe venture understand. to say you didn't, but, <laughs> I, um, I, I, but you I, don't know until you try. Right. I'd, I'd venture to say that too, but I can see myself watching this at least one more time. Um, I was, you know, I I did have a couple of what the fucks and like good ones, um, and and you know a couple of weird ones, but uh, it was, I, I did, I liked it, I had fun watching it, it. I, I I did. I, I liked it. So, you know, it, it's going to leave us with the, with the biggest gap that we've had so far between our reviews. But yeah, I'm going to go three and a half demon dog tongues on this one. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, it's going to be a limited number of people I'd recommend it to. I feel like once I get into four territory, that's when I'm just like, oh, I got a scary movie for you. Yeah, watch this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three and a half is going to kind of limit the scope on who I would recommend it to. But I would recommend it to a couple folks, and I did enjoy it when it was all said and done. So, yeah, three and a half. All right, there you go. So when it's all said and done, 
we need to do something gets a two and a half star rating uh if i've mathed correctly i believe you have um i i, I think i have uh in fact my calculator tells me i have <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's why i know um because otherwise i um i don't math well uh i i am a a literature teacher not a math teacher so, uh not even basic arithmetic so um uh so there you go two and a half uh flailing demon dog tongues that's what what we give we need to do something uh so i guess you'll just have to decide for yourselves uh because it is rather divisive here it on, is on shiver a horror movie podcast so we want to say thank you guys for listening and hey if you listen to us on spotify did you know that you can now rate podcasts on spotify so if you listen to us on spotify and you enjoy what you hear if you wouldn't mind kicking us a five-star review we'd really appreciate that um it's right there on our homepage when you go to spotify when you go to shiver a horror movie podcast underneath it's got a spot if you have not rated us yet it will say not rated you can click it right there why don't you give us a uh, you don't have to leave a detailed review but a couple stars are going to help us move our way up in that algorithm absolutely absolutely uh and uh, and while you're at it check out some of the other geek bro podcasts uh geek bro network podcast check out um mount geek more which daniel debona and myself are on uh just uh just this week we did uh we did a pretty cool one um uh daniel was not on that one this week but you I will was be not. on next week probably yes. hopefully yeah yeah i'll be back now the the, the two sports teams that i the, the dolphins are out the braves won and bama lost so i'm done with sports for a little while <laughs> um yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm done with sports for a little while too um <laughs> just the foreseeable future <laughs> for uh yeah just just for the for the foreseeable um uh, eternity so uh <laughs> uh so so go ahead and and give a listen to that one give a listen to what's up bro uh seasons a tv podcast comedy fitness a dose of ellie kick flicks kick flicks uh make sure to get that punching in there uh crimacopia our sister podcast and I believe I got them all that time. Absolutely. And you can head to geekbro.net where you can find all of those podcasts, including ours. Of course, if you're looking for us on the social medias, we are at ShiverPod. You can see it right over there on uh, Dave's name if you're watching us. We are at ShiverPod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, feel free to drop us a line uh, in the DMs on those. Let us know what you think about the show. Of course, you could email us if you wanted to at shiver, ShiverPod at gmail.com. It's uh, checked occasionally, even though it's being a real bastard about letting me log in right now. Um, we, do we still haven't it. figured that out, huh? It, it, it keep, you keep giving me the, the code. I keep giving you the code. You keep saying it's okay. Gmail doesn't listen. We'll it's, get it's, to it. It's not even asking for a code. Uh, well, Weird. who knows? But anyway, make sure you reach out to us on social media. Let us know what you think about the show. And if you've got recommendations, we've got our January calendar full, but we are going to start filling that February soon. If you think you've got a movie that we either haven't seen or that you would like to hear us talk about, make sure you let us know. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, fright you very much. <laughs> <laughs>